0: I met a lot of people during the interview process. I know I can do this role, but it is nerve wracking and I want to make sure that I have a positive impact, ideally from day one. It's a new role for the organization as well. So I need to know that I'm going to be received well and that I'm going to have an impact. And I kind of feel the enormity of that. So if I can have a bit of a confidence boost that I can do this and some tips on how to go about starting a new role in a new organization, that would be really helpful.
1: feeling shaky after maternity, or another long leave from work. Comeback Coach is the Wobbly Bottom podcast about kick-ass comebacks with coaching psychologist Jessica Chivers. She's exactly what you need when you're riding the return to work rollercoaster. In this coach episode, you're going to eavesdrop on a one-time coaching conversation. Jessica also hosts shorter comeback episodes where we hear the wobbly moments and success stories from someone who's made a comeback. Hello, I'm Jessica and my guest today is Katie, an HR professional with over a decade of experience in financial services. She's making a move into a completely new role, different to anything she's done before. Our conversation takes place at the end of her second maternity leave, two weeks before her start date. As you're listening, if you've got a question or want to tell me about your return to work, please tweet me at comebackcomuk Or find me on Instagram using the same handle because I really do love hearing from you. You might also want to hop over to comebackcommunity.co.uk and subscribe to the fortnightly care mails I write. They're written with love to keep people feeling confident, connected and cared for when they take extended leave from work and make their comeback. And at the moment, when you subscribe, you'll receive our pithy, practical career fuel guide absolutely free. Just before we meet Katie, I would like to say thank you very much to the award-winning Times Top 200 family law firm, Raiden Solicitors. Raidens are sponsoring the whole of Season 2 of Comeback Coach, and I'm so delighted because they really get what it's like to return to work after a break, and they are trailblazers in senior part-time working. If you're in need of family legal expertise, go to raidensolicitors.co.uk. Katie, it's a pleasure to be with you today. And I'm wondering what's on your mind and what would you like to get from our time together today?
0: Thank you for having me, Jessica. So I'm about to start a new role. It's the first permanent role I've started in eight years. I was at my last permanent role for over five years, and then I had a couple of contract roles and a couple of maternity leaves. And Although I've got a lot of HR experience and I was very confident in that field, I'm actually starting in a new sector. So not only am I returning from maternity leave, I'm also starting a new permanent role in a new sector and at the end of a pandemic. So a bit nervous, to say the least.
1: Wow, gosh, new start for you. So what should we cover today that's going to be useful to you? What would you like us to have talked about or what answers would you like us to have gotten to by the time we've finished our conversation today?
0: I think my main issue is lack of confidence. I met a lot of people during the interview process. I know I can do this role, but it is nerve-wracking and I want to make sure that I have a positive impact, ideally from day one. It's a new role for the organisation as well, so I need to know that I'm going to be received well and that I'm going to have an impact. And I kind of feel the enormity of that. So if I can have a bit of a confidence boost that I can do this and some tips on how to go about starting a new role in a new organisation, that would be really helpful.
1: We can do that. Okay. So I want to take you back to the interview process. And you told me before we started recording that you'd had three conversations as part of the interview process. And I'm curious to know, have you had a conversation with any of those people since to really understand what it is that they saw in you that made them choose you to join the team?
0: In the third and final round interview, I did actually ask them, why would you (laughs) hire someone who doesn't have direct experience? You know, what is it you're looking for? And I said, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot, but you've got to explain it to me so I can kind of justify that I'm doing the right thing here. And they said, you know, It's about communication skills and the technical stuff we can teach and you can train, but you need to have the right skills. And most importantly, because it's a small organization, we need to have the right fit, which gave me a massive confidence boost and reassured me that I am going for the right thing and I can hopefully wing it. And then since then, because I was in a fixed term contract role that I needed to resign from fairly urgently, I spoke to the the partner who will be my boss and we talked about the fact that he'd done my referencing and thankfully my previous line managers had said that I work the way he wants to work with someone so that was again really good to hear.
1: Okay so you've just told me then that communication skills are paramount in the new role and that's been marked out as something that you have They've also remarked upon the fact that it's a very small organisation and therefore fit is important. And that's often something quite intangible. So you told me that you'd met about a third of the organisation and there's clearly a sense, yes, we can work with her. She understands how things work around here. I think she's going to be one of us. And then finally, your previous line manager has shared things with your new boss that's made your new boss think, ah, great, really good fit. That's exactly what I want to hear. So all of the signals are really, really good. So go on then. Why is the confidence not all there yet?
0: Probably partly because when I last started the permanent role eight years ago, I ended up being diagnosed with depression that year for various reasons. But I do think that was part of it, the stress of, again, feeling like I need to perform and doing well and having a bit of imposter syndrome of everyone around me is more qualified and better and they're you know questioning why I'm in this role and yeah I ended up having to have CBT that year so that kind of puts me on edge somewhat I've been really impressed by the organization and you know sometimes working financial services when you're in a support role or not an investment role it can be quite intimidating being surrounded by people who are obviously very intelligent and very good at their jobs And that maybe they're thinking she doesn't know what she's talking about.
1: When you started the role that you referred to, what helped lift you out of the feelings that you had? You talked about having CBT. Mm -hmm. So for instance, are there particular techniques or exercises that helped you that we could draw upon again.
0: It was a while ago, obviously. So I'm trying to remember. I remember the therapist that I spoke to you know he was saying to me what makes you think that you're not performing and there was nothing that (laughs) should make me feel that way I'd not had any negative feedback I just hadn't had any specific positive feedback I guess so I'm probably a bit needy and I like a pat on the head every now and again to know that I am doing okay and I'm you know doing a good job and it wasn't until my year end appraisal in that first year that I joined that role that made me go okay again I've made the right decision they think I'm doing well so it's all good
1: so actually if we could get you some of that reinforcing feedback that praise earlier in the process that would be helpful wouldn't it rather than waiting to hear it at the end of your first year okay what might you want to do with that insight then now that you're hearing yourself say I I need that praise
0: I mean, I'm happy to have an honest conversation with my new manager. He obviously knows that it's a new role for me and he obviously wants it to be a success as well. So, without wanting to be too needy, I'm happy to say to him, it would be useful for me to, for you to be honest throughout my first few months and give me feedback at the time of doing whatever I'm doing rather than kind of saving it up. But yeah, it'd be, I, I don't want to sound like, needy, like I say, to say, you know, how am I doing? Can you tell me every week? You know, am I doing all right? (laughs) And I need, I don't want to, you know, be that person that needs the reassurance and the pat on the head all the time.
1: And so we don't have to frame it like that. So instead, you could be really proactive, and you could say something along the lines of, I've noticed that I'm, I've been at the best in my career when I've had regular open feedback with my line managers in one-to-ones about things that I've been doing that have been going really well and things that need a bit of adjustment. And I wonder whether that's something that we could build into our one-to-ones. And that strikes me as very businesslike. Mm -hmm. very proactive and about ensuring that you are aligned with his expectations and that you're on course and you're saying I'm open to hearing whether there's some adjustments needed. I wonder how you feel about that kind of approach.
0: Yeah I think that sounds professional and very reasonable and I'm sure he'd be very grateful to hear that as well.
1: OK, so that's one thing that we've got to pass sleeve. And I know you wanted to talk about tips on starting a new role. So that would be one of them, agreeing a frequency of one to ones. And research tells us that it's good to have a one to one every fortnight. The piece of research that I'm thinking about shows that there's a performance drop-off if we let one-to-ones go between a team member and the line manager, if we let them go as far out as a month or or more. And there's no additional benefit by having them weekly. Clearly, if you're new to role, which you are, it might be helpful to have them weekly simply because you're new. Mm -hmm. So you're on a, a huge learning curve to understand people's roles, the nature of the business, what your role is. And is the role new to the organisation? Yes. Okay. So actually, you're feeling your way together. And that might be something that you want to talk about in your first one-to-one is about what the expectations are and when you might review them and adjustments that you might make, because... Your line manager can't say, Well, here are the expectations, here are your deliverables, because, or maybe he can, but they'll be subject to change because you're feeling your way mm-hmm. together. It's not like he has another role holder to compare you to. And that is really, I think, to your advantage, Katie, that there isn't a comparison to be made. Mm-hmm. So that's something else to think about. What has been agreed already or what has been scoped out about the role? Because you're starting in a couple of weeks, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So do you know much about what's expected of you or is that conversation still to come?
0: I do. The job description was very clear. And given I had three rounds of interviews with a lot of partners, they've all kind of got skin in the game. They were all very clear about what they were wanting and what they expected.
1: And have they? So they've talked about outcomes, I assume. So they've talked about deliverables, have they over the next however many months or year?
0: Probably not specific. I think they appreciate that there will be a lot of getting up to speed. So yeah, there are, you know, there are reporting requirements and things like that. And I think they have an idea of what this role will look like in a few years time, you know, once it's embedded and successful, but we've not talked about specific goals or anything.
1: Okay. And have you had any conversations about when you will do that? Have they said, you know, in your first week, we'll talk about what your deliverables will be or what the goals are? Or is that unclear at this stage?
0: We've not talked about that yet. We've talked about a few things that we will need to cover in the first few weeks, but not that.
1: Okay. So in the first week, that's really your opportunity to start to understand more about what they want and what they see the benefits of the role being. And I know you wanted tips, so let me put something else out there. And that's that I think the first month, at least, when you are returning to work. So let's say you were returning to the same role, I'd be saying the same thing. So whether you're returning to the same role or a new role, new organisation as you are, is to go into listening mode. And that's to understand what is going on for every member of the organisation who you are working closely with, trying to understand what their objectives are what's happening in their professional life maybe even something about their home life really trying to understand them so you're building up a picture of what you are joining and not rushing into feeling as though you have to have all of the answers and have to prove yourself Mm. this is a time to be passive is the wrong word but to certainly not to see yourself in action action go 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 prove mode because you don't know what the expectations are you don't know who you're working with yet
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and I'm wondering what you think about that as an idea
0: I think it's very sensible from my point of view you know I do have a lot to learn and I recognize that and I want to build good rapport with my colleagues get to know them as much as I can remotely, at least initially. I question whether their expectation might be higher on me that actually I always do feel that I do need to prove myself so that there's a cost to this role. They're putting a lot of faith in me. So I need to prove that I can do it and that I can have an impact. But yeah, I appreciate probably not in month one.
1: What could you do then to get clear on what their expectations are on timeframes for delivery?
0: I'm sure I'll have a conversation with my boss in the first few weeks like we say about objectives and expectations and and what he expects you know we've talked about training that's needed so he knows that I will need time to get up to speed and do reading etc.
1: And you might even ask a question of your line manager something along the lines of in your experience when you have hired previously obviously not for this role but for other roles what have you typically noticed the time frame to be before someone seems to be adding value mm-hmm. to the role because by asking that question you do a couple of things you implicitly lodge the idea that people don't add value straight away which i'm sure he knows so you sow that seed in his mind and you might be surprised by the answer that you hear he might say Well, I think people join and it takes them at least a couple of months to get to know people and really understand their role. And I think we're starting to see some deliverables in the first three to six months. But I don't think people really hit their stride until they've been with us sort of about nine months or so. Mm -hmm. He might say something like that, in which case you think, oh, great, (laughs) great. He really understands. If it helps, let me just share with you a little piece of research that was done by Oxford Economics in 2015, which looked at the average cost of re-recruiting for someone when they leave an organisation. And it looked across five sectors, and it found the average cost of re-recruiting was close to £31,000. And what was interesting is that the bulk of that cost was not the fee that the organisations were paying to the headhunter, but it was the sort of lost productivity time, the time it took for that new recruit to establish themselves and be adding value. And they put that at about six months. So that's Oxford Economics for you.
0: I can understand that. Yeah. This organisation has been going for 10 years. They've only ever had one lever. So I do think that they're certainly, you know, hoping it's a long-term fit.
1: Yeah. So they're obviously good at, their recruitment process so all the indicators are good then for your appointment okay so where do we go now in the conversation what else do you need what else is bubbling away in your mind
0: I guess hopefully only a smaller thing but I haven't asked the question but I'm going to be working three days a week and I suspect I'm the only person that's going to be working part-time so you know I've already been asked you know in your first week when would be a good time to go for lunch when would be a good time to have certain meetings And I, I was very clear and just said, well, hopefully on my working days only, I don't know what the expectation is around that. But I'm, I'm hoping that if I am the only person that is working part time, that they can adjust to that and not have the expectation that I'll be available five days a week.
1: Yep. So what was discussed at interview then about three days a week, because you found the job via flexible working people, didn't you? So they obviously, they knew that they were hiring someone on a less than full time basis.
0: Yes, I did. So yeah, they've been very clear that it's It's a small organisation, so it's not needed to be a full-time role.
1: Okay. so what's the fear then that's sitting there, given that they've used a specialist recruiter, it was clear at interview that it was a part-time role. What makes you think that it might not be?
0: Judging by the times of day and days of the week, I get emails from them. I suspect they're used to people being available all the time.
1: (laughs) Yep. Okay, so you might have some gentle nudging and teaching and expectation management to do there, setting your stall out from the very beginning about, you know, your availability. And I always think it's good if you can frame that in a way that sounds as though you have got the organisation or your line manager's situation front of mind rather than saying, you know, I only do this or I only work these days, but setting out to say, Framing what you're saying in a way that makes sense for them. So it might be, I want to make sure that the way that I'm working works for you. And I mean, if this is true, then you might say something like, if the days that we've identified that I'm working, if we decide that it would be better if I worked slightly differently Really open to having that conversation. Perhaps we talk about that once I've been in role for three months, and it might be that I can make some adjustments to my childcare if it would make sense for me to work slightly differently. Now, if you don't feel like that, obviously you wouldn't offer that up, but again, what you're saying there is I am working three days a week and no more, and my working days are say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever they happen to be, but I'm open to flexing that if. It would be useful to you for me to work differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: but you—you know—you're you're setting that out firmly but pleasantly, and with your boss's needs firmly in mind when you say that. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it will take some adjustment for them because they won't be used to not having a colleague just available at the same time that they're available, mm-hmm. and that might be something that you have to shoulder and it's not that they are not respecting you it's just that they haven't ever worked that way so you're a pioneer and maybe the first Katie in a line of people who are working in a more flexible and less than full-time way
0: Mm -hmm. hope so
1: yeah for sure and I think it's brilliant that they were advertising where they were great that flexibility is becoming so much more mainstream especially in financial services so you mentioned near the start of our conversation about imposter syndrome. And I'm wondering if you have ever experienced that before in your career. I'm guessing there's an obvious answer there.
0: Probably, yes. I just didn't label it that at the time. I think it's probably only since that I've learned more about it.
1: What helped you when you were having those feelings that you might not have labelled imposter feelings, but what helped you when you did have them in your career previously?
0: I think working in HR, it can be fairly thankless in that if everything's going well, you don't usually hear from employees. What you do hear about is when things are going wrong or if people have got problems. So it can be fairly soul destroying, constantly listening to people saying they've got issues or something's not working, which may be one of the reasons that I need this positive feedback to know that I am doing okay. So I think when you do do something well and people bother to say, oh, thanks, that was great or that really helped me out. I do find, I do get reassurance from that. Hmm.
1: And people might not always give that to you. So we need to find these ways of getting the feedback without being reliant upon people giving it to you. So, uh, you know, a way, I know we've talked about this a bit already, but as well as in one-to-ones, a way of doing that with other colleagues is to say, as someone who is new, it would be really helpful to hear from you the things that I'm doing, delivering, how I'm doing things. It would be really great to know when I'm getting things right, as well as when you need me to make some adjustment. they're Saying that to other people, and it, you're not saying it from a needy place. You're saying, just help me know whether this is what you would expect so that I can change it if it's not right. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think there's anything needy at all about that. I think it's really confident and it's an invitation for people to talk to you about what you're doing and how you're doing it.
0: Yep, I agree.
1: I often say to people who are seeking some feedback at work, say in a role they might have been in for some time. that If they're looking for specific feedback from people, it's really, really nice if you can say to individuals, You know, one of the things I want to work on this year is X. It would be really helpful over the next quarter, say, if you could just look out for any instances that you see me doing this and just notice it for me and let me know how you think I'm doing it. And so you're framing up front that you're going to want some feedback and you help those individuals to look out for those behaviors or what you're doing so that they can notice that you know there's nothing more dreadful than getting to the end of a performance cycle where you know you must know this where you get those requests in from colleagues saying will you be one of the people that does 360 degree feedback on me and all of a sudden you've got to dredge up some thoughts about this individual. Whereas if the individual says to you, almost puts it at the beginning of the process and says, I'm working on this. it be really great for you just to keep an eye out and let me know what you think, how you think I'm doing. And then you are priming them to look out for that behaviour you are saying I'm open to feedback you're getting it in a timely manner and you're helping them home in on something really specific rather than just can you give me feedback on what I'm doing and how I'm doing it you might be saying you know I want feedback on x y or z Mm -hmm. so that's something else that you could do and is there any other support that you think you might need that you might want to draw upon to help you be successful let's say over the first six months that will set you up for success.
0: I guess I've not been part of the remote working that people have been doing over the last year, so it's going to be all new to me. And I have had feedback in the past that when people first get to know me, I can come across as aloof. And I think, especially if it's remote, you know, sometimes people just say, oh, you know, she's quite formal and professional although people soon get to know me and know that I'm not like that at all. I know how important it is. It's a small organisation. They've emphasised how important FIT is. The role I'm in, I need to be able to work with everyone. And it's one of the few roles where I will get to work with everyone. So it's critical to build relationships early on. So hopefully I have the ability to communicate with people. But any tips on building rapport with colleagues remotely would be helpful.
1: Yeah, I hear you. And actually, you have to go and have a look. At our main website, I'll send you a link on talentkeepers.co.uk, we've written a piece on 14 ways to raise your visibility when you're working remotely. So that will be a source of good thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things you want to do is to obviously have a one-to-one with everyone. Mm -hmm. You could ask a question about where people are geographically and if some of your new colleagues live I would say if there's half an hour between you and a colleague geographically, I would suggest meeting up, going for a walk, you know, put it out there. So you know it's it would be really nice to meet as many people as I can in person and understand the restrictions on the office for the time being. And so you could ask your boss this about where do people live, because that's something that you would like to do. Just Bonds get forged so much more strongly and easily, I think, when you are in someone's physical presence. And I imagine that you will probably in- enjoy that one to one time, and that might be a time that you feel that you can relax a little bit more, and perhaps won't come across as formal if you are meeting someone one to one and out of a work context. So that's something you might want to. Suggest, Mm -hmm. and also to say to people that you are in listening mode. You're going to be like a sponge, and you've got loads of questions that you'd like to ask and find out about people. So they know that you know that you just want to you want to fact find and know about them, and to have a few questions that you want to ask everybody. So think about some questions that are going to help you get to know about the individual themselves as a person and some questions that are going to help you understand their role and some questions about how they feel about their role. And you might ask a question about what have you learned about remote working and any tips that you could share with me. So imagine you've got this almost like a crib sheet in front of you. You've got a bank of questions that you're going to ask everybody. and Then you take some notes and then you've got it all there because you know what it's like when you meet lots of people in quick succession. You can forget whose son was Thomas and Mm. and all of this and, and note it down. And if you're asking everyone the same questions and you've got that all down, well, you look like an amazing colleague when you can remember names of children and dogs and where people wish they were going on holiday, that sort of thing.
0: Sounds good. I've actually got a whiteboard attached to my new desk. I've already scribbled down the names of all the people I interviewed with because there's a lot of names already. So um, yeah, I'm trying to get used to everyone.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's an exciting time for you. It really is. And it's not easy settling into a new role remotely, but change is coming and you'll be back in the office fairly soon, I would have thought. Has there been any indication of when the office is going to open?
0: I suspect they'll be following government guidelines so fingers crossed 21st of June we'll get news that more people will be heading into the office.
1: Yeah so listen what have you heard yourself say or what have you noted down today that's going to help you in this next chapter of your career?
0: Definitely how important it's going to be establishing boundaries and guidelines with my manager in that first couple of weeks whether it be about receiving feedback or talking about expectations and goals, I think that's going to be really important. It's obviously a very important relationship. So it sounds okay, more than okay. It sounds professional to actually establish early on what those guidelines are and equally to be upfront about being in listening mode and that they know that I need to take on a lot of information and I've got a lot to learn. So hopefully they can be patient with me on that.
1: For sure. You know, and something we haven't talked about, obviously it wasn't something that you raise that you wanted to talk about but I will just throw in there anyway you know you're coming back from that leave to a new role and you will be really tired and one of the things I really encourage you to do is keep things as easy as possible at home for at least the first four weeks and get any extra help that you can In that time, whether that is if you have a cleaner, maybe there's a few extra hours, whether that is buying in some ready meals so you're not cooking so much, just anything that is going to lift the burden from you so you can work. And you can rest and you can spend some time with your children without being burdened by lots of other things. And don't make the mistake of thinking, well, I couldn't afford to keep these changes going and I don't want to get used to them. Just throw whatever means you have for those first four to six weeks to make your life easier Prioritise sleep. And my final tip is I think you have a, a spouse, is that right? Yes. Yep. Yes, okay. So you want to ask your spouse to be the person that your childcare calls if anything should go wrong in those first four weeks so that you can absolutely focus on the professional side of your life and really get your feet under the table without being worried about distractions or being the first port of call if when something goes wrong because things always go wrong with childcare you'll know as a mother second time around that as soon as children go into childcare there's a whole load of bugs come their way and you inevitably end up having to take some time out in the first four weeks back at work
0: yeah definitely no that sounds good I think he's probably going to get a bit of a shock when I'm less available to do things around the house as well
1: Yeah, well, you know, and so that just requires a bit of contracting about, you know, how are we going to divide things up now that we are a dual earning, dual working couple? And I cover that in my book, Mother's Work. There's a chapter in there about see your family as a team and there's a planner in there around for dividing up chores. But I think the key question is, how are we going to divide up responsibilities now that we are a dual earning household rather than, you know, how are you going to help me out Mm. it's got to be a a wholesale conversation about how we're going to make changes around here so that it works and I wish you a really really good start and I'd love it if you would loop back and let me know perhaps how you're getting on when you've been in there four to six weeks because I would genuinely love to know
0: thank you I will sounds good
1: it was such a pleasure listening to Katie and help her think through the concerns she had about starting a new role The article I mentioned about raising your visibility when you work remotely is in the show notes. And if you're starting a new role, one thing that can really help boost your confidence is asking your new line manager what it is she or he saw in you during the interview process that made them select you for the role. And you can frame this as, I'm curious what in particular stood out during the interview process. I'm asking just to increase my understanding of what's particularly important to you. Now, a number of coaches have done this over the years and told me they received much more gushing replies than they expected. And crucially, that they had their eyes opened to things they didn't think were particularly important, but their new employer really valued. So have you started a new role recently What helped you to go in feeling confident? You know, what tips would you have given Katie? I'd love to hear from you, and you can post your comments on the Instagram post about this episode over on ComebackCom UK. And you can also find me on the same handle on Twitter. Now, if you're preparing for any type of extended leave from work, or you're away now, or are still feeling that you're not quite where you want to be in your career after coming back, head to comebackcommunity.co.uk and check out the Comeback Conversations page. This is where you'll find all the details of our free monthly online problem-solving sessions. They're Tuesday nights, 8pm GMT for 45 minutes, and it's myself and a guest answering your questions on a given topic. Finally, if you found this episode helpful, could you share with someone else in a similar situation to you? I'm sure they'll thank you for it, and if you fancy leaving a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts, that would be wonderful.